Welcome to the Good Theological Thursday podcast. My name is James Crockett. And I am Dre Clark. And we are glad to have you join in our conversation today. We hope that this podcast helps you as you think about your life and God and how they fit together. And a Good Theological Thursday to all of you. We are in Season 4, Episode 7 of the podcast. Uh, Covering a very interesting topic today, Uh, we are going to mention, uh, Dre, a couple things. Uh, We are going to briefly mention off the top some thoughts on uh, what Pope Francis said this week. Uh, If you haven't heard about any of that, we'll explain that later. And then we're going to be covering uh, an interesting question uh, about how would Jesus vote, or I guess maybe a broader context of We've got an election coming up. How do Christians vote? Um, what should we consider in our voting process? So, yeah, Dre should be interesting. Yep, I'm I'm ready for it. And I think I just want to say right off the bat, you know, if you were looking for a podcast to tell you how to vote or to you know even hear our political agendas, that's not what this is about. Where we really want to take on the theological side of it, and as always, just raise questions and say, hey, are we thinking about these things? And let's have you know, let's let's think well through some of these issues. So, hopefully, we'll yeah. tackle that today. But yeah, so Pope Francis, James, let's let's jump into that. Uh, this is, uh, you know, by the time everyone's listening to this, it's it's been about a week, week and a half of mm-hmm. uh, the news from the Vatican. So, uh, fill us in on that. Yeah, so um, I read a little bit about this. Uh, I guess a couple of days ago, uh, Pope Francis basically came out and said we needed to have laws um, for homosexual couples to have civil unions Mm -hmm. that um, lawful civil unions between homosexual couples. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of the very basis of what he said, um, Mm -hmm. which is uh, it's significant because even in the Catholic church, it's very much against um, the typical political stance that the Catholic church has taken. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, uh, Dre, I, I don't know if you read this statement. I don't remember, I don't really recall if he said he completely agrees that, hey, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. But, I mean, he does say we need to, we need to have place in law yeah. for homosexual couples to have civil unions. Um, yeah, so I that, think I'm conveying that issue right. Yeah, and I think that's the way, and once again, uh, from what I, my reading of it is, and, and maybe maybe more people have done more looking into this, but it, it really just seemed like that people were, because of him endorsed, or because of him saying that there needs to be these kind of rules, these laws, that that, that is his endorsement of it. And I think that was kind of the mm-hmm. assumption thrown onto him with it. Um and yeah, it caused a lot of just upheaval and um, yeah, and we're not going to talk about this all today, but I think it's something that, to think about. Um, I, I do think that it's – here's the point that I want to kind of say at the beginning about all this is, you know, this whole this whole uh, dispute, uh, you know, legalizing homosexual marriages, um, and I think it was years before that, even just the treatment of the LGBTQ plus community, and then to where we are today, I, I think the church has still been mostly silent um, and really – you know, not, and I don't want to be unfair, but I think there's a lot of great groups and people out there, but I do just want to remind people like this is an area where there is a lot of grace that needs to be shown. There's an area where there's a lot of thinking that needs to happen. And, mm-hmm. um, and it is, it's not going away. It's not gone away. And, uh, and, and it's not, this, this is an, an area that we need to move and really think through. I think the biggest theological question that people are asking is what is the nature of humanity? What does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? Um, I think mm-hmm. these are major questions. So, yeah, and we won't address this um, uh, in full detail. Um, Dre, I think some of our opinions on this have been made pretty clear. Uh, and if you want to know, uh, if you want to hear us talk about more about it, kind of the way we decided to approach this is just to point you back to some earlier episodes that we've done on the topic. And, you know, people might say we shouldn't have this in law. This needs to be illegal. And, and, and we're in my point is, is we, we approach it from the fact of just saying why all of this is wrong. Um, but there needs to be a balance between truth and saying that, yes, homosexuality is wrong in Scripture. But there has to be a there has to be some grace and love uh, because a lot of people know us for 
um, our stance against it, but do they, do people know the love and the grace that we show um, even in spite of our objections against it? So with all, with all that said, um, I'll point people back to a couple episodes we had in season three, uh, season three, episode 10, uh, season three, episode 11 and season three, episode 20. Um, episode 10 covers sex and gender, um, just sexuality as a whole. Uh, episode 11, gender roles. Uh, we talk a little bit about that. And then episode 20, we talk about how do we respond when a friend says I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would point people back to that. Uh, and hopefully that would help them in thinking through even this issue on what happened with the Pope. Yeah. It's a conversation I think that we need to be involved in, especially as Christians who are advocating for God's truth in God's world. I think, I think it's an area that we just need to do some work in. So I encourage you just as you're listening and you're thinking, Hey, what's, what does evangelism look like in 2020? What does evangelism look like moving forward? Um, I think it means being, being involved in the questions that culture is asking of us. Um, Mm -hmm. so in some ways, you know, you know, I don't, I don't fault the Pope that he's at least addressing and he's seeming to be engaged. I don't necessarily agree with his conclusions. Uh, Mm -hmm. but I think that, I think this is an area that we need to be thinking through well because, uh, it's here. So, all right, well, let's get into today's episode, James, before we do that, we've got some book recommendations. Um, so I will let you start off with, with your book and then I'll, I'll jump in with mine. So what, what do you got for us today? Yeah, a little behind the scenes look. Uh, the book I wanted to recommend today, Dre stole from oh, me uh, before. I, should, I knew I should let you uh, said it first. <laughs> before, before I could, I, before I could put it in our episode notes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, just full disclosure, the book that Dre is going to recommend is one I've been reading uh, this past week. Uh, so, I his his book recommendation is a very good recommendation. So, yeah. I kind of had to scramble here. Um, I'm going to go with a book I have not read yet, but I very much respect the author. Um, that is the book Before You Vote by David Platt. Um, uh, probably going to be a little bit similar, uh, I would guess, to uh, at least in its in its intent and in its goal mm-hmm. uh, to the book that you're going to recommend, Dre. But um, just giving Christian positions on different issues, um, different political issues. And there's political issues we have to – we, we've got to be able to learn to think biblically through um, number one, how does this scripture speak to a certain political issue? And then where it doesn't speak, how do we take Christian principles, biblical principles and apply it to our voting strategy? Um, again, have a lot of respect for David Platt. So even though I have not read this book before you vote, I'm sure it will have a lot of valuable insight and um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we were wanting to do with our recommendations today, Dre, is just point people to um, some different resources they can have as they as they think through who they want to vote for in this upcoming election. So yeah. that's Before You Vote by David Platt. Yeah. And my book that uh, James claims I stole from him, which James, I'm pretty sure that a few weeks ago, I have a text from you saying, uh, hey, have you well, read? Well, you recommend, in, in fairness, <laughs> you did recommend Thank this you. book to me. Thank so you. Yeah. So, I will say that. So I just, I felt it was only right that if I recommend the book to James, James doesn't get to recommend it. So. <laughs> um, and and that, this whole side conversation that you probably don't care about has, uh, it, it should at least speak to the value of what we think this book is. Daryl Bach wrote a book. Uh, at the last election uh, called How Would Jesus Vote? Um, and, and so Daryl Bach is, you know, we've talked about him before. And, you know, he, he talks about this idea of if, if Jesus were, you know, living in the 21st century, you know, what side of political issues would he stand for? So it's not, once again, we're, we're trying to stay from the people, but more about just the sides of the issues and how to deal with um, the realities of what does the Bible say and how do you hold biblical tr- truth in areas of tension mm-hmm. and all these things. Uh, it's a great book. It walks through, if I remember right, seven areas. I, haven't, I have not looked at this book. James has read it earlier than I have. Um, I just picked it up for the first time today. But there's like seven issues that he walks through. Um, you know, healthcare, yeah, economics, like poverty, that. immigration, gun control. He just walks through policies, and he and he does a good job of just looking at. Um, you know, one of his one of his hermeneutics he's been working on is taking the taking life to the Bible. So not eisegesis, but really saying what are the issues we're dealing with. Let's take those issues and let's see you know, where, where is scripture talking about these things? And of course he's a mm-hmm. new Testament scholar. He's, you know, incredible, um, work. And so he, he really is doing good biblical study. And so he's, he's looking through and been doing a lot of research on cultural engagement. He has a whole podcast on it that he does with the seminary. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's been spending a lot of work in this area. And I think it's a good book. 
Um, mm-hmm. How would Jesus vote by Daryl Bach? We'll probably bring up some points from it later on uh, in our episode today too. Um, but yeah, the summary of, of the book is just how do we, um, how do we, how do we do politics as Christians in a, in a better, more uh, appropriate way? I think Daryl Bach would say in person, he'd say the way that we deserve to have politics done. Um, and so this, yeah. this is a good book that kind of just brings up the issues. Um, so yeah, Daryl Bach, how would you just vote? Uh, James, originally, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but originally Daryl said that the book was going to be titled, Would Jesus Vote? <laughs> and he said the publishers <laughs> made him change the title. Um, yeah. And so... Uh, and so it's it's a good book of where would Jesus yeah. where would Jesus put his concern? Uh, so yeah, yeah. highly recommend it. Hey, you know, and Dre actually kind of that last part is almost where I even want to start today because um, you know we're so we're titling this episode after Daryl Bach's book of how would Jesus vote? But you're right, he he brings it up in his introduction. He's like, I'm, I'm talking about how would Jesus vote, but I'm not even talking about initial question of would Jesus vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andre, I, I want to kind of segueing into our main conversation. I kind of want to start there and, and just talk about that. I think one of the biggest challenges here, as we ask this question of how would Jesus vote, um, or how we should vote scripturally is, um, I, I remember you and I've talked about this before. There's no context in scripture where you have the characters of scripture, certainly you don't have this in Jesus' time, um, but you don't find anywhere where the governments these these people live under mm-hmm. allowed them a vote, right? And so, um, so you don't have a whole lot of precedent in scripture that explicitly addresses a voting issue, yeah. Because a lot of these people lived in monarchies, or you know, Jesus came in the time of Roman Empire, and the people that were over them were just appointed over them. They, yeah. they didn't get a say in who was appointed over them. Um, and so I, I think that's one of the first things I would say that makes this, that makes this topic a uh, very challenge that makes this topic a little bit challenging yeah. to address. It does. And, and I think that, I think that uh, that point is very well taken because it, it, the Bible really presents, if any, any prescriptions, it's a theocracy. Right, God is in charge, and so this is this is the the system that is set up. Um, and I would argue throughout even the Old Testament, even whenever you have the King King David and all these things, they're representations of God and His will and in what His Torah and His law is. And so, mm. so really, the context of the Bible um, is not our context, um, especially when it comes to politics. And so, y- you can't just pull things out and say, "See, the Bible says that it should be done this way." Um, mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's dangerous ground. That's, that's not fair to scripture. Um, and, and that makes this problem complicated. Um, and I think mm-hmm. Daryl Bach would say that, 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 that people, the, the problem with politics today is that everybody is trying to claim God on their side. Um, and, yeah. and, 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 and they're, and what they do is in Daryl Bach, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've not read the book in a long time, but I know in his, in his conversations in class, you know, he would talk about, we cherry pick, we take out the things we want and we take out the parts of scripture mm-hmm. that we feel are our, that meet our agenda, but we leave out others. And so, um, but if you take the Bible holistically as is what it is, it's not cut and dry. It's not a Republican. It's not democratic. It's, it's got morals and principles that we could argue about all day about how do we how do we pull those out and apply them to life. So yes, that is a conversation that needs to be had. But as far as going the Bible and finding a prescription for society, um, all you get is a theocracy for Israel, <laughs> and that, yeah. and that's it. So yeah. Um, yeah, so so I think that's a good point. Whenever we talk about would Jesus vote, I think we need to put Jesus into his era. And and what is Jesus concerned with? Um, Jesus mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be. It, 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 almost in light of opposite, Jesus is not as concerned with the the empire as everybody right. else in his day is. And then that doesn't mean right. that he doesn't address it. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have opinions about it. I think he would. I'm just saying that's not his his aim. That's not his 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 telos. That's not his goal. That's not his purpose. And um and it doesn't mm-hmm. come up that much in the scriptures. And when it does, mm-hmm. it always comes up in a context of what Daryl Bach mentioned, you know, which, which side is God on? And I think Jesus mm-hmm. stands as God in the earth and says, you don't understand what you're doing. 
Um, yeah, and Dre, that's a good point. There, there's only really one instance um, in the Gospels where you see Jesus address a somewhat political issue, and this is the issue of the tax, right? Where the Pharisees begin to ask them, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And all Jesus says to them is, he takes a coin, he says, whose, whose image is imprinted on this? He says, Caesar's. And he says, render to Caesar's what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And that's really, as far as politics go, that's about as political as Jesus ever gets. Yeah. Um, well, well, let's. It, I want to take that story too because what what Jesus does in that story. Um, I remember one of my first semesters um, of of seminary, I sat in a professor named Dr. Fanton, and he talks about that story. And here's this political tension, and Jesus asked to show him a coin. Well, for for those Pharisees to have that coin, that's a that's a graven image. That's something that they're not even supposed to have. So he's trying to say, even in that context, like. Them pulling out that coin, them them showing that they're engaging in this in this world, like for a Pharisee, where the levels they're there to be stood at. You know, his whole point, and I thought it was interesting, is that you know it would be it'd be the same as catching a priest with a with a bunch of porn. Like he says, that's mm-hmm. kind of, the, and so Jesus makes it about the morals. He makes it about the Torah. He makes it about his kingdom, not the other kingdom. So um, I think even his strategy in that one political one that we love to quote. Jesus gets right at the heart of the matter of things, and he and it's not mm-hmm. it's not even about that. So anyway, I, that yeah. just came to my head. I don't know if you done any exegesis on that or not, but that's one of my professors yeah. made that argument. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's an interesting point. I mean, if nothing else, you know, I don't think you know Jesus might be pointing out the hypocrisy there of the Pharisees of really they're trying to get Jesus in a yeah. gotcha moment, and yeah. Jesus is like. I got you, you know, <laughs> according to these, yeah, according to these standards you're holding for yourself, you're not meeting your own standards. So, mm. um, anyway, so, but yeah, that's about as overtly political as Jesus ever gets. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read the New Testament writers, they don't really get political. Now, there is a stream of, and this is maybe another conversation for another time, there is a stream of New Testament scholarship where there's been a trend to see some of Paul's writings as subverting the Roman empire. Um, But when he does, um, number one, I don't think Paul really ever is explicitly subverting the Roman empire. Now the what, why people argue that is his arguments would naturally subvert some of the claims the Roman empire made, especially Mm -hmm. of Caesar's divinity and things like that, especially the imperial cult. And so I don't. I don't think that's really the New Testament writer's purpose in writing that. I do think, though, that biblical principles will naturally clash with political ideologies that are mm. of the world, and so and so and so. The whole point here is for us, and Dre. I think the point you've made, the point that you'll read even in Daryl Bach's book, is it starts with understanding Scripture first. Yeah, and our scriptural principles. Informing our politics rather than a political party informing our politics. And I think, unfortunately, on both sides, um, Christians who sit on both sides, we almost make a political party's policies our Bible rather than um, Scripture. And what we realize is, and Dre, what you said, is that Scripture doesn't align with either political party. And when we understand this, I think it helps us become a lot more graceful Mm-hmm. In our conversations, I'm not saying you can't like, I'm not saying that you read scripture and like you're a Republican, that you have to just like completely abandon the Republican Party. I'm not necessarily saying that. What I'm saying is, is that you also have to realize that whatever party, whatever side you stand on, don't think that's Bible and understand that there is a definite possibility. And I would suggest that. Both parties have things that don't align with scripture, yeah, um, and that don't reflect scriptural principles very well. Yeah, and, and I want and I want to spin it more to a positive, and I think Daryl does this. Um, it's not just that there's mm-hmm. that neither one align with a party, but I I want to be fair and say both both sides, at least in in, in the the bipartisan one that we're talking about now, but but any any political side, most people uh, have some scripture that actually do back their side. And so, yes. so I think that's mm-hmm. even another thing. So you can say all day, well, neither one of them is biblical. Well, sure, but but both sides are are often arguing biblical principles. But what they haven't mm-hmm. done, what they haven't done, and this is I think the whole thrust of the book is they haven't granted themselves the privilege of having a good conversation about the tensions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there yeah. there there, and all the issues that we have, there's there's typically people are arguing for some kind of. Uh, moral thing behind it. Now, typically it's mm-hmm. being used in self-interest, 
but there's there's pros. There's the reason people are going after both sides is because they're finding some kind of a value system in there. Um, and, and I do think that most often not that both sides pervert it back to themselves and politics has really become using freedom for self-interest. I really do think that's the problem with this and maybe we'll get to that later. But I do mm-hmm. think there's an appeal um, on, on, on these major issues that, that I even mentioned at Daryl's book, the, the big seven or whatever they are, on any major political issue, there's biblical tensions promoting both sides. And that mm-hmm. that's also something that both sides really need to learn to reconcile and really need to learn how to have a fair, honest conversation about because if we demonize the other side and say they're just completely against the Bible, um, I don't think we've heard the underside, other side well enough. And I think we have to realize we're probably doing it, too, in some areas on our on our side as well. Um, so once yeah. again, we're not advocating for, for just boarding from the system and not being involved in politics. We're just trying to say maybe there's a more biblical way to do this. And, and Christians, I think, have to be involved in this um, because the way we win or the way we lose says a lot more about us than what is actually going to happen in the culture. Um, yeah, I think, and Dre, you, you're talking a little bit about this at the end. I think what's more important than what political side you hold to is how do you engage others and how do you engage others well? Yeah. Whether you're engaging people who agree with you or whether you're, especially whether you're engaging people who disagree with you. Um, mm. and, and the problem, and the problem is, is uh, you mentioned this, we demonize, we vilify the other side. The other side is the villain. And if the other side gets in power, then, you know, the, the world is going to fall apart. Right. I mean, the, and both sides do this. We, we, and this is a result of, you know, some of our news, the, the way our news works. It's the result of, mm-hmm. um, political parties, uh, they're, pursuing um, interests that are driven by money, um, driven by their supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot going into that um, to where I, I think most people, I mean, if you're listening to this now, no matter where you stand, I think you have to degree civil discourse is at an all time low as far as like how bad our civil discourse is because it isn't civil. It, it's very, it is very much an us versus them mentality and we're not engaging people. Yeah. All we're focused on is just seeing the other side as the worst person alive. Yeah. And this is what I, this is what I actually often don't like in political conversations on either side is when we look at, I'll say this, if you look at Trump this way or you look at Biden this way, either way, if you say Trump is the worst human to ever live, or if you say Biden is the worst human to ever live, I think that's poor engagement. I, yeah. I just think all that is is you're painting the person that you're against as um, the enemy, and when you do it, it keeps you from engaging the other side well. Yeah, uh, and I think that's one of my biggest problems that either side tends to do, and Christians are guilty of this as well. Yeah, yeah, and and I think too um, the reality. Uh, of our American system, the reality is, is that we, it was, it was by nature set up to, to engage and to, uh, sustain a pluralistic society. Um, mm-hmm. that, that is the point of our system. There, there is no, there is no, it's not a theocracy. It's not, that's, that's not what that is. So it's, it's made to have this dialogue. And so there, mm-hmm. there are areas in, in our system where there's going to be tension there's going to be areas where there's going to be agreement, but we but we may disagree about how it goes about. Um, and there mm-hmm. may be areas that we just flat on disagree about that are just major. Yeah. Th- and and I do think that Darabog does a good job of walking through those three categories and saying, you know, there's really not that many that are in the, the category of we just flat out disagree. Most of the things mm-hmm. are, you know, for example, like he would mention like race is one that most people agree race is, is wrong. The, the thing that are happening with race is, is terrible, but we don't agree on how it should be resolved. Right. Yeah. So that's an agreement right. with 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 how does it work out? Or there's tensions between different things. So so economy and healthcare, things like that. There's just these tensions of well, of course we want to help people, right? Both sides want to help people, but but the tension of how does that work out? And I may think it's best to do it this way and best to do it that way. But starting to approach the conversation and understanding this is actually the way the government is set up. It's meant to be a pluralistic society. It's meant to be where there are freedom of ideas mm-hmm. and freedom of things. Um, and then I think as Christians, we have to wrestle with um, Oz Guinness. Uh, I, I love Oz Guinness. He has a book, uh, Freedom or Suicidal Freedom. No, uh, uh, pe- uh, pe- uh, People's 
A Free People's Suicide is the name of it. And it, he talks about how he looks at America and it's just like, we, we, we want the liberty, but we don't understand the consequences that come from the liberties. Of the, we, don't, we, don't, we don't assess the consequences of the choices that we're giving liberty to. And mm-hmm. so I think that's where the conversation can be more healthy. And instead, most people just, it just becomes a, a fist fight of, of, you know, my people versus your people. And, um, and at the end of the day, no matter, no matter if your values and your, your opinions, which you believe are right and you hold, you know, you're listening to even if your side wins or not, um, at the end of the day, what is God going to call us to? He's going to call us to evangelism. He's going to call us to reach out to the other. He's going to call us to engage in not this world's kingdom, right? But his kingdom and his agenda. Um, and that you're, 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 if you're a Christian, then the only thing that you're, you're held liable to is your baptismal pledge that you're, you're saying that I am part of a church community and this is what I am. That's, that's all that you have allegiance to. And, um, Mm -hmm. and, and that allegiance has to be first and it has to be done in in a a well way. Yeah. And we have to be very careful as believers. And I think a lot of believers are going to, they're not going to say this explicitly, but we often act, we often act this way. Our hope isn't in a political party. Um, our hope isn't in our choice for president sitting in the White House. Um, our hope is in God's kingdom. Ultimately, we're aliens. We're foreigners in this world yeah. um, because ultimately we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And, and that's uh, – Dre, you, you're exactly right. Um, if we understand our citizenship is in heaven first – before it is here, mm-hmm. it'll help us engage here well. Uh, it doesn't mean we doesn't mean we you know just because we see ourselves as citizens of God's kingdom that we just completely disengage from everything going on in the world now. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it helps us engage the world better, a whole lot better. And and to me, when, when we get into these, um, when we're always just vilifying the other side, and the way sometimes we seem to talk about these things. It just it does often feel like are we putting way too much hope in our presidential candidate or yeah. in our political party? And again, it doesn't mean you can't support your political party. It just means that that's not where your hope lies. And you know what? If you your candidate doesn't win the presidency, Christ still is on the throne. He's still seated at the right hand of God, far above every ruler, power, and authority, and every name that is named. And you know, the early church really understood this being in a Roman empire where they were persecuted, where yeah. they didn't have, they didn't have freedom. Um, they didn't have what we have. And uh, they, but they fully understood their citizenship was not there. It was in, it was in heaven. It gave them hope um, during all of that. So. And, and I like, I want to use the word the ambassador, you know, because, because mm-hmm. you're right. It's not that we're just, you know, we're we're just only focused on heaven, and it doesn't matter whatever happens in this world, and and, and and that we don't engage because Christ does call us to engage. Um, you know, Daryl mm-hmm. Bach's going to point you to the creation mandate in Genesis three that we have a responsibility in this world, and and we have something we're called to do. And so the question is 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 we're engaging the world though from the standpoint as citizens of heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we we engage the world as people who are who are united to Christ and His church. And so, mm-hmm. so really, that's that's the thrust I think that that we need to go towards is is what does it mean to to engage well, um, and that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I and I here's what I believe that we are that we are living in a world where people, including Christians, are doing a terrible terrible job of engaging well, um, yeah. and we do a terrible job of either winning or losing. And um, Christ calls us to something higher first and foremost, um, mm-hmm. and then we can go through and we can we can. You know, of course, I still think that we should have our, you know, uh, our agendas and we can have our, our views and our political orientations and we should talk about the issues and we should talk about them well. Um, that There's a place for that, but it has to come secondary. And um, I think that's what we need to remind people of. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Dre, I want to move to a, a couple different questions, uh, maybe. Uh, the first question I want to ask is, uh, even just kind of looking at this issue as biblically as we possibly can. Um, one, um, some people might be asking, like, are Christians obligated to vote? We almost treat it that way. It's like, hey, you're in America. You know, there's a lot of people that just say, hey, you are supposed to vote. Like, do your civil civic duty, things like that. Um, you know, is there a biblical 
what's is there any biblical arguments you can make that say you should or shouldn't vote? And then I'll, I want to move to maybe another question of what are just some basic things Christians need to consider when they're considering who to vote for. Yeah. So yeah. uh, let me start with that first one. Do you have, because I, I do find that question interesting of would Jesus actually even vote if he had the, op- if he would have had the opportunity. Um, I find that because, you know, the it, it's an interesting question to me because number one, Jesus, like knowing who he is, that he is Lord of all things. And you talk about, you know, we sometimes get into debates on like the morality of a certain candidate. Well, the perfect one who is holy above all things, voting for people who are definitely not, um, you know, especially compared to him, um, are not holy. And uh, I, I just find the whole question very interesting. Yeah. Um, so what are, what are some initial thoughts you have on that? Yeah, it is a it is a theological question that uh, it doesn't exist, but it is an interesting one because um, because Jesus time and time again is is breaking norms, um, mm-hmm. and so that so the question really is 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 this a norm? If he was in if he was in a culture which once again all this is is theological speculation, but if he was in a culture that that had that norm, would that have been a norm that he would break? I think that's the way I, mm-hmm. uh, that I would approach the question. If he were in a culture that had the, the, a democracy of sorts, right. A Republic of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, would that have been something that he would have broke? And I, I argue this, and this is my own biased perspective, but I think the system of government that, that the founding fathers gave us, I think a Republic is uh, one of the best out there. I think our checks and balances, I, th- I think we have, it's not perfect, and, I, and I'll talk about that why maybe in our next question of why there's a major flaw in it, but I think we've got a really good system. Um, right. I, I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate uh, the people who have fought and died for our country. I really appreciate the minds that went into thinking about this. Um, I think that they were well-educated. I think they were involved in what's called the Great Conversation, you know, from Plato's Republic all the way through. I think I think they were did their research, and I think they brought something amazing. Um, there's a major flaw in it that I'll answer next with the next question you asked, James. But so, so that being my bias, right, <laughs> that I like the system we're in um, and my bias that there is no perfect system. Is, is this system something that Jesus would have, is this a norm that he would have broke or not? I don't see anything in, in scripture about our system inherently that Jesus would have gone against. But the same in, in his system of a monarchy, right of dictatorship mm. you know did he is there's flaws in that I, I think that one's you know it's a decent one too i think there's there's once again there's a major flaw in, in every one of them i don't think it's as good as the one we have now but he didn't he didn't really go against that system either so mm-hmm. so that's the way i approach this thought this this entirely skeptical you know theological would jesus have gone against this would this have been a norm he broke i don't see him breaking those kind of norms in scripture. I think, I think the norms he breaks are the hypocrisy of the leaders, the dual nature of, of, you know, the leaders trying to say, God's on my side, no God's on my side. So I think in that system, I think he might come in and he might blow categories with our two party system. I think that would be a norm he would break. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think the whole system of voting and, and, um, and, 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 and being involved in engagement of the culture is one that I see him breaking. Does, that, that's mm-hmm. I'll leave it there. I'll let you kind of pick up and answer what you think. Yeah, I, you know, when it comes to that question, I, I do. I would agree. The norm he would break would be: I don't think Jesus would align with a political party. Like, yeah. I don't think Jesus would stand up and say, "I'm with this political party." Like, I, I yeah, just don't, I don't see him doing that at all. Yeah. Uh, because at that point, you know, I, I think Jesus would be very honest, obviously of. Pointing out all the flaws in each political party um, and the and benefits so, of both sides, <laughs> and the benefits. So yeah. he he would he would do both, and, and so um, I, I I'm kind of with you. I've I've gone back and forth on this. I do tend to think that Jesus actually would be involved. And again, it's a fun question that, but we we are having to entirely speculate. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to think he would and be involved in the voting process, mm-hmm. um, partly because of just how Jesus lived out his own humanity, yeah. um, how he would humble himself. I mean, Jesus humbled himself. I mean, the, under Roman laws, I mean, he, he, there, are, I don't think Jesus came in and, you know, there were norms he broke, but I don't think Jesus came in and was trying to like break every law there was. Yeah. Um, and so 
Jesus, Jesus exemplified, and I think so Jesus giving us an example of what it means to be human, what it means to live out um, our lives while we're here on this earth under the authorities that Romans 13 does say that God has ordained and yeah. allowed to be yeah. put over us, the ghost governing authorities. I, I tend to think Jesus would be involved in that. I'll, yeah. I, I'll make, I'll make one more argument. This isn't from Jesus life. Um, it's something I, I've been pondering from Jeremiah 29, not Jeremiah 29, 11, which um, a lot of people know, but um, before Jeremiah 29, 11, when Judah goes into Babylon, um, I find the Lord's in, I find the Lord's instructions to them very interesting. Uh, so when Judah is brought into exile, they're taken into Babylon, they're spread throughout the Babylonian Empire. The Lord tells Israel to plant yourselves there, to build houses, to take their sons and daughters as your wives and husbands, to to pray for the welfare of the city, because in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at the yeah. people of God there as aliens and foreigners in the land, God calls them yes. to engage in the life of Babylon, yeah. to engage in the city. He didn't say you accept everything they do, you accept all their practices, but mm-hmm. to engage yeah. In that life, and Babylon's and so, a pretty terrible place. <laughs> yeah, Babylon <laughs> is pretty awful, yeah. and so you know, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't explicitly say anything about should Christians vote or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think you can make an argument that what God wanted for His people there was for them to engage in, in a, the culture. They're in a foreign land, but to engage in the culture. Yep. And for us, it's a way for us to culturally engage, to be involved in the culture yep. by voting. And so yeah. I, I think that's probably the argument I would make. So I would, you know, if you had to pin me in the corner and say, should Christians vote or not? I, I tend to think it's wiser to vote than to not vote. Yeah. Now I'm not going to say you have to vote for you know, we tend to see it as binary. You vote for either Trump or Biden, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you feel convicted that you need to vote third party, I think you have every right to do that. Um, um, you have every right to think through biblically who you want to vote for. But I do think being involved in the voting, voting process is being involved in seeking the welfare of the place that you've been planted now. Yeah. Um, so well, that's all, I guess what I would argue. And, and I want to add too. I think I think the I think the issue, and I want to bring it. I want, I want to take it to the broader category. I I'm confident saying Christians must be involved in cultural engagement. I'm very yes. I'm, I'm very that's that goes back to what we call the creation mandate. Um, and I think mm-hmm. this is this is God's purpose. We are ambassadors in this world, right? We are representatives mm-hmm. of Christ, right? So I I will firmly and very strongly say. That is something that you need to be that you need to do. But I think I, I will leave it up to people's conscience to say, how do you do that well? Um, yeah. And voting mm-hmm. would be a way that I would probably say, I think that's probably a way you would do it well. And then even within mm-hmm. that, well, how do I even vote within the voting? What you know, you see what I'm saying? So at that point, yeah, it starts uh-huh. it starts trickling down into the way I make decisions. So and and that's where I think there is as long as as long as someone can come to me and say, hey, I'm wrestling with engaging culture well right now. And if I can see mm-hmm. that and hear that from someone, then then we're going to have great conversation. We're going to have great community. We're going to have great benefit from one another. And um, and that's that's where I'd want to go with it. Uh, but yeah. but yeah, we often turn it into thou shalt vote and we make it this moral decree of or we make it thou shalt vote insert political party here, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I yeah. or or we just tell people you need to vote, but I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But they really already know who they think you should vote for. And we it's almost like this manipulative game. I, I think there's some weird stuff that happens around it. Um, yeah. But I, I do think mm-hmm. that God calls us to be involved. Here's the other interesting thing on, on the hypothetical question. I just thought of this. This if Jesus would vote, there's an there's in the, in the Gospels a interesting concept called the uh the the secret uh ministry of jesus or this or the the messianic secret um which is Mm -hmm. jesus time and time again after making cultural impacts tells people tells people don't don't tell anybody i did this he says yeah uh let's keep (laughs) let's keep this on the down low like it's it's called the, the messianic secret like and and i think that that might be an interesting thought process to think theologically is that would Jesus have engaged in politics maybe in the way he even engaged with his own deity, you know, with this mm. messianic secret? Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's I, I I just had that thought today, too. But but I don't I don't see Jesus being this boisterous, you know, like you said, waving American flag around, 
you know, driving, <laughs> driving a big old Jeep, you know, America, yeah. you know, like I, I think people right. might say, uh-huh. oh, I think people might question like, is he a good Patriot? Like, you know, I think people would, would maybe hold that to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so well, I think the Jews, I think the Jews question whether yeah. he was a good Patriot <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with, with Judaism, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. But, um, uh, but would he be involved? Um, I, I mm-hmm. have no doubt in my mind that Jesus was involved in his culture. He engaged in his culture better than any human being has. Um, and, and the way he did it though, was through the lens of grace and through the lens of, of restoration and through the lens of his kingdom to come and through the lens of, of, of redemption and that is a very different than the second time he'll come. We believe in the next return of Christ and it will be a very different. It will be the Patriot quote unquote Patriot Jesus. It will be the Jesus coming for his kingdom, coming for his people. Mm-hmm. And, and and there will be a time. So that is part of the, the heart of our savior um, of justice. But um, in this, in the meantime, he set an example for us differently. And so I think, I think there's a lot to think through there. Um, James, before mm-hmm. we're running out of time, I want you, I want you to ask your second question again. I've already forgot, but I had had something I really went important. I want to say about it. Um, that was yeah. the first question. Would Jesus? But what was your second one? Yeah, the second question is just simply as people consider mm-hmm. who they're to vote for. What are some just biblical principles yeah. people can take away? Um, what needs to go into our thought process of who we decide to vote for? Yeah, yeah I want to say something, and I'll let you answer this more. But I, I think there are two diagnostic questions. That, that will tell you everything you need to know about someone's political orientation. Um, and here they are. Number one is, was the beginning of history, do you have, was it a high or low? That is, do you see a high view of history or a low view? So low, we're evolving from some minor state and, and every day we're making things better and things is going, you know, like that. Or is it high, that things were good mm-hmm. and that there was a fall, Right. And then the second yeah. question that I think is a diagnostic question is, what is your view? Is man naturally good or naturally sinful? Um, mm-hmm. And I think those two questions take us to the root issues that guide political thinking. And they're going to tell. And, and, and I think these questions will, you know, show you really quick. Of you know, if you believe things are high, you're going to be skeptical of of change, right? Like things were good, we just got to mm-hmm. get back to the, you know. And so even within the context of from the beginning of history to even ten years ago. I think all of these things can become very complex, but I think they're the root issues is where were we coming from, right? Where are we coming from? Where are we going to? And what is the nature of people there? Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's the problem with um, with any system we have. No matter how good of a system you have, you will put human beings in charge of those systems. And if you believe that human beings are inherently broken, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. Then then what happens? It's Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's going to be yeah. mm-hmm. it's going to be it, it will always end this way. Um, and another I was watching Sherlock on the BBC and, and Sherlock says, you know, it says to Watson, Watson, there are no heroes. And if there were, I certainly wouldn't be one. And I'm like, yep, that's that's every human being that's ever existed. Right. No matter how smart, no matter how mm-hmm. clever, no matter how good you are, there are no heroes. But but Jesus and so every system, mm-hmm. whether it's a monarchy, an oligarchy, a democracy, a republic, a, you know, whatever it is, it is always prone to the disease of a broken world. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, that's my two thoughts. What, what do you think about your, your yeah. kind of view? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, again, we, we are not um, in this episode, we are definitely not going to suggest who anyone should vote for. Um, that's not I've never seen that as my role. Yeah, um, especially as a minister, I've just never seen it in my role. I don't like when pastors get overly political. I can think of a few, um, but when they get overtly political um, and just tell you who you should vote for, I, I think that's really not the role of a pastor um, or a role of a theologian. Um, which is one of the things I actually really appreciate about Bach's book is I don't think he, I think he accepts that role well, where he. You know, he operates first as a theologian and then he I mean, he does like, you know, give some like just things to think about politically. But um, he's just giving you he's giving you principles and tools and how to think through issues. And that's what I would say first is, yeah, understand scripture, study both sides. Don't accept a position just because it's on your side of the political aisle. Challenge your own views, like try to hear. Try to actually hear mm. arguments and understand where someone else is coming from. You might not change your mind, and that's fine, but you've engaged well yeah. at that point, right? Mm. You're listening to the other side. Uh, acknowledge when the other side has good points. Uh, typically, yes. we don't even do that. We we don't want to acknowledge if the other side actually has a point. Acknowledge if, hey, maybe 
I typically hold to this political party or ideology, but I see a hole here in my ideology and I need to fix that. Mm. Um, be willing to do that as well. Um, and this, I mean, as far as choosing a candidate, again, this, this is difficult. You know, sometimes it depends on the person. I, I would say if you've, if you've engaged well, if you've thought through things biblically, you've engaged both sides, for each person, you know, there might be some issues that are bigger for you than others. And ultimately, you know, as in prayer, you know, vote if you think it's right or it's the best thing to do to vote for this certain political candidate, vote your conscience. Um, yeah. And, and don't like, you know, we, we tend to we tend to see, oh, well, if you vote for the other side and it doesn't work out, well, you led to the downfall of America. Well, again, that's just kind of I just again, the person who's there is going to be there by ordination of God. Right, uh, you know, God's going to allow who He decides to allow, which means we can um, trust God. Presidential office, yeah. exactly. That's all that means. And yeah. so, and, and so, even if it's the person you don't vote for ends there, you could still trust God, right? And yeah. so, you know, ultimately, just vote your conscience, but then That's don't good. see, don't if someone votes for someone you didn't vote for, don't necessarily view them as the enemy. Yeah, that's the problem. We pick our candidate. And then when someone votes for someone else, well, you're dumb or you're, yeah, you're, you're the enemy. You're the problem. Um, that that's again not good engagement. Yeah. So yeah. if you've gone through the process, you've thought through it well, um, you know, again, knowing that no candidate is perfect. Yeah. Um, that's the hard part. Is we we realize that that any person we vote for is a flawed human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but. At that point, vote your conscience. Do what you know. Do what you think is right. Yeah. Um, at that point, yeah. um, and, and you know, for each person, that answer might be different. Um, and I think we need to accept that. That's the tension, right? <laughs> that's and, the and ultimate that is, tension. That is the intent of our. <laughs> that is the intent yeah. of, of of our country. That they set it up to be that way. As as a yes. And so that so welcome to America. That's what that's the benefit right. you get of being here right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, like Dre, for instance, you know, one of the ways I tried to, you know, engage both sides is I, I actually listened recently. Uh, there was a debate put on by uh, John Brown University in Arkansas. They hosted this debate um, on should Christians vote for Trump? And I just really wanted to hear both sides here um, because we tend to, I will say, Christianities tend to be associated with the Trump party, right? Um, uh, but, I, you know, I wanted to engage well. Now, I will say the debate, I there's still both sides. I, I didn't think they engaged the argument super well. There was a lot of things I didn't really like of how both guys engaged the argument. But, you know, for me, that was a way of like, I want to I want to look at both sides of this um, before I make any sort of decision. I mean, I'd love to hear a debate on should Christians vote for Biden or not, like and hear both sides of like, is there what are the arguments on either side or should Christians vote third party? Like, I, I would love to hear more conversations about those those sorts of things and so yeah yeah i'm just just trying to find ways to engage well and if you're doing that and the result is this is just where you feel that this is the right candidate to vote for you've gone through a pretty good process yeah well and and i want to end with this thought since i know we're almost out of time um you know, we, we, we positioned this episode today as, you know, likely most people listening or a good portion of people listening probably have already voted. Um, and, and, and there's probably a good portion that, you know, that have yet to vote, you know, you still got a little bit of time left, but the reality is, is your decisions at this point, um, are already made. Uh, there's nothing in this episode that should have swayed you or made you change your mind. So I want to, I want to leave you with this, whatever happens in the next couple of weeks, um, this is really the call and challenge for you is the whole point of this podcast and all of our episodes is to have good conversations. And that's what I want to challenge everyone to in the next few weeks. Um, can you either win well or lose well? And can you do it by having good conversations with people? Yeah. And as we move forward, will you represent Christ well um, mm-hmm. in the days to come? The, the reality behind whatever party you voted for the reality behind that will be better demonstrated by how you respond next, um, how you mm-hmm. respond the next couple of weeks. And so that's my my plea for everyone is um, as as we enter into this season, will you be good ambassadors of Christ? 
Um, just because yeah. the, the, the creation, and this is why I mentioned earlier, the cultural mandate to be involved in culture um, is not just once every four years in America. Um, mm. it, it's every day, it's every week. And so um, no matter what has happened or what's going to happen, it's time for you to continue to pick that up and continue to engage culture well. And that's really the heart of this. What does it look like mm-hmm. um, when your side wins or loses? Um, and can you have good conversations? And um, will you trust God in all this? So that's kind of what I wanted to end with today. You got any other thoughts, James? Yep. No, I, I think that's good. Um, thank you again, everyone, for taking some time to listen. Again, we know this is uh, right before the election's happening. A lot of you have already voted, but uh, we just thank you for coming and listening to our thoughts on this. Um, hopefully you've taken something away from this on how to engage culture better, how to engage both sides better. Um, as always, uh, if you have a question, something you would like for us to talk about, um, we actually uh, we initially addressed the Pope Francis situation. And that was um, something that uh, we had a listener, uh, Noah, who's come on the podcast before. Um, asked if we would address it. And so if you have something you want us to address, um, a question you want us to answer, uh, please send it to us. You can do it a couple ways. You can message us on Facebook at Good Theological Thursday. Uh, follow us there. Or you can email us at Thursday at gmail.com. If you have time, uh, we always appreciate if you could leave a rating or write a review. And... Um, and again, if, if you think a friend would benefit from listening to this podcast, we would encourage you to show it to a friend. Dre, uh, close us out and let, let them know what we're going to talk about next week. Yes, thanks again for listening today and every week as you tune in with us. And next week we have a good conversation, kind of part two of this, I guess. It'll be after the election. And we're going to be talking about gospel unity with a good friend of mine, Paul Calcote. Uh, And so that'll be next week. Look forward to having him on. And until then, have a good Theological Thursday. See ya. See ya.